When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Yeah. What is up, world? We're back once again. It is the CHGO Sky Show presented by CHGO Sports and DraftKings. As always, use the code DraftKings at... At, use the code CHGO at DraftKings for $20 on bonus bets as soon as you open your account. Aside from the stumbles, we got the man, the myth, and the legend. Stephen Garner is always in the show, showing off the 3-3 three, the three, and the 23 on his back wall. And our special guest for today, Marquee Sports, Big Ten Sports, and the erstwhile most decorated play-by-play man that's ever been on the show, Jason Ross Jr., <laughs> Jason, welcome to the show. Steven, it's always good to have you on, man. Thank you, Chris. Really appreciate that intro. Admire the work that you guys do. I was pumped to do this today. Love the intro, by the way, before with the music. They got me amped up, all the Chicago scenery. So, no, I really love the work you guys do. Thanks again for having me on. Really appreciate it. Pumped to talk some Sky today. Yes, sir. We appreciate you. No doubt. No doubt. Um, like I said, we've got the a big game tonight, national television broadcast, the Sky versus the Aces tipping off around 6, 37 o'clock p.m. Central Time. And I know both of you are going to be there for that. Uh, so, again, appreciate you having uh, appreciate you coming on the show, Jason. Just want to talk to you a little bit at the outset about your background. Um, it, it's always a different path, I think, that leads people into broadcasting and especially into uh, the world of professional basketball, women's basketball. So how'd you get here, man? Yeah, you're right. Like there's no one path, I feel like in our industry. And that's kind of the cool, unique aspect of carving out your own way in life and in broadcasting in particular. I grew up in Detroit, so I loved actually the 2004 Pistons. Oh, I, was gonna, I knew you were going to say that Pistons team. Yeah, that was <laughs> my team that got me into the game of basketball and also loved all different sports. The, the Red Wings were really good at the time, um, kind of few years after that and uh, Tigers, Lions. So just kind of grew up a big sports fan. Uh, my family loved it, college sports too. And I think around the middle school age started to kind of realize that it would be really neat to be the voice behind these basketball highlights or hockey highlights or football highlights I was always watching. So started to realize play-by-play could be a potential career. And that's when I was just studying it, consuming it. Same thing, high school, college, trying to find as many opportunities as I could and um, did a variety of different things, working for universities, the college I went to as well, called a lot of games there, interned all over Detroit with either the pro teams or working with universities and just got as many reps as I could. I uh, worked in um, independent baseball as well for a little bit and 
had my own show. It was a digital show uh, with a friend of mine. We would cover Detroit sports. So kind of ran the gamut of experiences. I at one point was writing for Sports Illustrated in college and doing reporting for them and then made the move to Chicago um, going on a year and a half ago now, which feels like it was just yesterday. Um, started off doing some fill-in play-by-play with the Blackhawks and again, growing up a huge hockey fan, it was felt like a really prestigious opportunity to be a part of that organization and be involved with them. And that was amazing, that experience and then getting involved with, I, I work for Big Ten Network as well and ESPN and Fox and uh, a few other networks do along with you in the Chicago sky. So it's really kind of been a, like a, a, I use the term running the gamut of experiences and that's kind of what it's been. So that's been really amazing and helped, it's helped me grow as a broadcaster too. And my favorite part about living here is probably the broadcasters that we have in Chicago and sitting back, turning on my TV and just studying them. I know you guys on the bull show have had Adam Amin on and he's like, he's one of my favorite broadcasters to study. He just, he's a huge inspiration for me. So just being able to turn on the TV and see guys like that and uh, the woman in our industry as well here, it's been amazing to study them and just soak things in and be a part of it and calling the Chicago sky games, just being a part of basketball in this city, which, which has such a, Huge history. We see the, the jersey behind Steven there with the 23 on the back. Like just being here and experiencing that um, is amazing. So, yeah, that's kind of how it started, long story short. No doubt, man. Yeah. Um, you, I like that you mentioned Adam. Have you have you found a, a, a catchphrase or have you found like a, a signature moment like Adam has gotten, gotten in his bag on the Bulls broadcast yet? You know, I not yet. I may have – I got to think of one, though. Not yet. I have not got my signature – kind of go-to call down yet for different moments. But Adam and Stacy do a great job with that. And I got to ask, so you mentioned that 04 Pistons team. Yep. Of course, that's known as one of the more gritty basketball teams in uh, in basketball history. Uh, who is your favorite player from that team? That's a hard one, Stephen. Who's from? So fun fact, Stephen, I have – I think I have the entire starting lineup, maybe nearly the entire team in bobbleheads. <laughs> so I'm a big bobblehead collector. And okay. I'll have to send the picture of that to you guys one day. But, you know, from the coaching down, Larry Brown was the coach. He's a legend. Um, Chauncey Billups, who's coaching now himself, just kind of was such a steady force at point guard. Stephen, we, we we love the details of the game. So the off-the-ball yes. movement of Rip Hamilton. Yes, uh, legendary. Around screens. I mean, he mm-hmm. could just run for days. Ben Wallace, of course, about to be a Hall of Famer. Um, Rasheed Wallace, Tayshaun mm-hmm. Prince. Mm-hmm. That's a hard one to choose. I, You know, if I ever played growing up, shooting was kind of my thing. So I feel like maybe I'd have to go Rip Hamilton. And the mask, too, that Rip used to wear that's it yeah rip rip has such a such a, a impact on basketball with that off ball movement mm-hmm. and the way that larry used him and how that kind of like it was a different type of spacing but it helped to like kind of revolutionize the basketball game on the nba level just because a they won doing it and it was so unique obviously it wasn't to the extent of like the warriors or like the houston rockets but it was unique especially given the time of it so I, I, if I had to choose one, I'll probably be right there with you with Rip. Although I'm always partial to point guards and Big Shot, Big Shot Billups is one of those guys for sure. <laughs> for sure, yeah, and that was the nickname, Mister Big Shot. People forget that I think, and the defense too with that team was so gritty, and people maybe forget they were not supposed to beat the Lakers in the finals that year, and they did pretty handily. <laughs> 
Tayshawn, Tayshawn Prince is ridiculous. Yep. Just ridiculous. He was created in a lab, especially again given the context of that time of basketball. Just special. And then Ben Wallace being one of the best players on the defensive side as an undersized center. Again, in that era of basketball, is just that's just a beautiful team. It was just beautifully ugly. <laughs> yep, true. And I love that you used the word team. It was team basketball. And mm-hmm. can't, it's hard to think of other teams that really didn't have that kind of go-to star player name, especially nowadays, who go on to win a championship. And that was a string of conference finals appearances, too. That was a, a good time for basketball in Detroit. That team definitely got a lot of people around uh, my age into Detroit sports. Yeah, most definitely. No, and it was a – it almost – it pains me a little to say just uh-huh. because it's Detroit. But Detroit – Totally understand. Detroit in the, in the 2000s uh, with that Pistons team, uh, with the Detroit Shock that went to back-to-back in WNBA yeah. Finals, one in 06, um, the Red Wings, uh, even the Tigers going into to the um, – World Series in 2006, you ha- you came up at a really good time for Detroit sports. And I say it pains me because, you know, the Midwest cities are always rivals until somebody from outside the Midwest tries to talk down on us. Um, speaking of people might trying to talk down on the Midwest, tonight's game, let's start off with that. It's Las Vegas Aces coming into Chicago, um, the presumptive favorite to win the finals, not just get to the finals. And the Sky are looking to really cement themselves a place into the playoffs at this time. This is, as I was talking to Steven the last couple of weeks, it really seems like with Vegas, those are the games you kind of just accept that you're going to take a licking, try to minimize the damage and move on. But you've been around the team all season long. What do they have to do? What can they do tonight to put Vegas on notice or outright win the game? What has to happen for this guy tonight? Yeah, well, Steven, I think that, you know, for me, you have to stay out of foul trouble against a team like this. And uh, Chris, you know, it, throughout the season, that's going to be an issue in our front court a little bit. We have very good defensive players in our front court. Elizabeth Williams, Alana mm-hmm. Smith is going to put the league on notice with her defense this year. Yes. But, um, you know, I think, like you said, with Vegas, when you look at the schedule, this is a favorable overall outside of this game patch in the sky schedule. So heading into last weekend, I had the chance to call those games with uh, my good friend Megan McEwen, and those felt like big games because, you know, no team in this league is a pushover, but when you have – we play Phoenix and Seattle um, again this weekend, and we just played them last weekend. Those are the bottom two teams in the league. It feels like we were kind of looking at it as this patch, okay, Vegas is sandwiched in the middle, but you have to take advantage of the games around it to kind of work back up to that 500 mark right now. They're eight and um, we'll just pick up the ninth one of the season this past week, but you're kind of four games below 500 at the moment. So you're trying to get back up to that point to potentially avoid, I know we'll get to this at some point, but avoid, hopefully you don't want to have Vegas as your first round date in the playoffs. Exactly. Yeah. That's what it looks like. So you're trying to avoid that, but to get back to the game itself, I think Asia Wilson is such a tough player to slow down. So you really can't get into foul trouble tonight with your bigs because your shot blockers have to be on the floor at times you may have to help and potentially double her, which you really can't double against Vegas when the five is on the floor. Um, I know Candace has missed a string of games now, so we may not see her uh, tonight, but you look at this starting five they put out and you think of Jackie Young 
and what she has done this season possibly gotten even better. Um, they just have so much talent. Chelsea Gray was just, I mean, there's hard, it's hard to find a word to describe her in the playoffs last season. We just had Seattle this past week and something we brought up um, when we kind of had a big lead on Seattle was that the sky and um, the storm were on track to maybe play each other in the finals last year. And I think some sky fans are maybe rooting for Seattle to make the finals. I think a lot of people were with Sue Bird being in her final year, but uh, Chelsea great, just she was unstoppable against the storm and they, they couldn't beat her. And now Seattle's rebuilding. And um, it's a team in Vegas that definitely looks better than they were a year ago. And players like Jackie Young are somehow better than they were a year ago. And they have a great coach in Becky Hammond. And it feels like they are definitely far and away the favorite right now. Uh, you look at a team like Connecticut, they have a forward, Brianna Jones, who was injured. They were looking really good early on. I still think they might have a chance outside of New York to, you know, maybe wreak some havoc a little bit in the playoffs. Um, a team like Washington, every game they're dealing with a new injury and someone's out. They just never have the same starting five. But they look like they have some good potential outside of Vegas. And then, of course, New York is the team I haven't brought up. I was kind of waiting to bring them up because the Sky have beaten New York this year. And if you look at an example of a team where you should give yourself motivation or inspiration going into a night like Vegas, you can say that you have beaten uh, you have beaten New York this year. And they almost beat New York twice if you look at those two matchups they played. Um, and I see a comment coming in here, Dana hoping to get her in a groove. I feel like offensively, yeah, if you can get your bench involved a bit more right now, that's key because you need your bench at some point to step up. And that was kind of a part of the struggles over the course of the four-game losing streak we were on that fortunately snapped uh, Saturday night in Seattle. Some hoping that maybe you get some more production from the bench and you need to stay out of foul trouble and you got to find a way to slow down somehow that starting five and maybe turn them over a little bit and get them frustrated. I think you made a ton of excellent points and just kind of detail them who the aces are and why they're so good. Yeah. Uh, I think a lot of what kind of gets lost with the offensive high-end talents that they've compiled is that they also have the, like quite literally the best defense in the W this season. Yeah. And I think like for kind of speaking with Becky over all-star break, she was making emphasis that everything that they were trying to curate and maintain and sustain was the defensive side. She said in the playoffs last year, the offense was never really a problem. It was more so how often could they get stops and how often could they string together multiple stops. And, I mean, if you look at the season as a whole, they've taken a lot of great strides in moving in alignment with what Becky is saying that she wants to see more from them. And obviously at the forefront of all that is Asia Wilson. Again, she gets a lot of credit for how skilled and how evolutionary of a player she is on the offensive side, but on defense, especially this season, uh, she – May not necessarily be as good as she was last year, but she's got the loud stat impact in terms of stats or um, in terms of steals and blocks. And she's just really the anchor of everything they do defensively. She's scheme versatile. You can use her in multiple lineups. Um, she can switch out and guard against your point guard and hold it down for a couple of dribbles late in the shot clock. She can steal the ball from your point guard, which is something that outside of Alyssa Thomas and uh, Brianna Stewart, no other center is really doing in the, in the WNBA right now. It's like all of the things that they need from the defensive side is where she really just tilts the scale heavily in their favor. So I think for the sky, uh, looking at it from their perspective, 
I think Jason, you made a great point in Dana having to bring that energy off the bench against the against the Aces last game a couple of months ago at their home court. She had a couple of moments where she ripped up Chelsea Gray. She was pressuring her full court. Uh, she was sending a lot of their offensive um, sets off script. She even had a moment where she got switched on to Asia Wilson and stripped the ball from her and went down the transition, and she might have got a layup off of that. So her being that spark plug that we know she can be, not just on the defensive side, but also on offense, getting to the paint, getting paint touches because nobody can stick in front of her because her uh, her first step is as quick as anybody's. Her getting into that bag, and I think I've been hashtagging it downhill, Dana, having that impact on the offense is as important as anything she can bring outside of the defensive side just because it puts everybody else in positions to play off of advantages created from somebody else. So that's extremely important for them, specifically off the bench. But in addition to that, I think if they take care of the ball, they can do a lot of what they want to do to this Aces team just because they have the type of offensive skill sets that you need to operate against the off a defense that's as versatile as theirs. They can manipulate switches and manipulate space, but none of that matters if they're not taking care of the ball consistently. And that was part of the issue they had against the Aces in that first matchup. So I'm looking forward to them really taking what they saw in the last game um, as far as things that worked for them with their empty corner pick and rolls and things like that, and just taking care of the ball in those scenarios and really just spamming them over and over again because that's where they can create their most advantages from. Yep, I think that's so true. Like you said, uh, creating off advantages that other players bring to the table, I think in my mind, I think when we can get rebounds or steals and Courtney can push the break and get us up and down the floor quickly, that's when we can maybe hopefully beat someone up the floor. Maybe you have an advantage um, going the other way. So I feel like that is a really important point. And like you said, the Aces defense does kind of go either overlooked or underrated because of how explosive their offense is. I think, you know, maybe you never say never again, they're the heavy favorites, but first round of the WNBA, you do have that best two out of three uh, format where like last year, the sky kind of went through it with New York winning uh, that opening game. And all of a sudden you have pressure on you going back to the the lower seeds hometown. So potentially maybe that happens, but it's hard to envision someone beating Vegas four times. Yeah, I can agree more with that. <laughs> yeah, it's it's wild because their net rating has been so off the charts that they're they're set to break a lot of records uh, that the 2019 Washington Mystics set. And I, yeah. when I watch that team play, with what they have with Elena Deladon and Emma Miesemann and yeah. the emergence of Ariel Atkins as a three point shooter, and then Christy Tolliver, um, Natasha Cloud, Ariel Ariel Powers, the the crew that they had offensively, defensively. I didn't think we were going to see a team like that for a while at least. And then the Aces just burst onto the scene, so to speak, when they made just one small change. And it's funny that, we, that Stephen, you talk about the defense. That game that they had against the Sky last year where it looked like they were going to just blow them out of the building and mm-hmm. the Sky ended up with the biggest comeback in league history, I think that set the Aces on the path that they're on now uh, in terms of just making sure that they were able to shore up their defense, you know, getting Candace Parker is a coup in, in any case, but you have a player like Candace Parker, who's an efficient two-way player, one of the best in league history. Kai Stokes has kind of cemented herself as a defensive anchor. And you have all of those players who are committed to running it back. So they're going to be committed to doing those things that need, that it takes to win games like defense. Uh, as for some listener questions here, and it relates to not just tonight's game, but to the playoffs. Um, and our 
Longtime listener, Master Bear Jedi asked, do you think James Wade's departure has affected the way the sky attacked the rim? And have you seen the fouls change in any way against or for the sky? Now, Jason, I've, I remember I've seen some games. I've heard Megan um, have some comments in terms of how contact is called. But in this small sample size that we've had where Emre's been at the helm, have you seen the sky attacking the rim in a different way? And have you seen uh, the way that they're getting to the line possibly look different? I think something we maybe noticed is you would love to, and I think there are different details that go into this, but, and Stephen, I'll see if you agree, we, you would love to see maybe an aggressive mindset of going to the rim. And I think we started to see that more straightforward against Seattle last time out. I think also turnovers over the course of that losing streak can play a role in just taking you out of your offensive flow so trying to limit that, which sounds simple, but I think is so important when it comes to the details of your offense, really helps with getting to the rim. I do like the uptick in offense recently from Elizabeth Williams. So if you can continue to feed her and she knows that she can score the basketball consistently. So hopefully that starts to play a role a bit more. But, you know, I think the, the inside out game also, if you can get to that and your guards driving like Dana has talked about not settling, which I love. And she has all the speed in the world. So if she can get into the paint and then kick it out and you do have shooters on this team, you have Marina Mabry, you know, Courtney Williams can knock it down. Alana Smith can step out and she does have the capability to hit threes too. Um, a Morgan Birch off the bench and hit a three last time out. So you do have the ability to do that. And I think getting inside can mean more than just shooting too. That can mean getting inside and kicking it out for more threes. So um, I would like to see that pretty often. Yeah, if you can get to the rim as much as possible. And what was the other second part of the question, Chris? Um, really about, I mean, it's it kind of goes hand in hand. If you attack the rim, you're usually going to get more chance of getting fouls called. Yeah. But have you seen a change in the way that fouls have been called? I know we have, um, we actually, I, I wanted to go to the Elizabeth Williams graphic as you mentioned it, as you mentioned her, but uh, I saw something interesting with Ka that she has hit her last 17 foul shots uh, in addition to just really being on, on an offensive tear over the last month or so. Um, and foul shooting was kind of an issue for her early in the season, really, really through the all-star break. And it's, I wouldn't say it's rectified itself, but when you get on a streak like that, it feels like things are turning the right way for her to be even more aggressive than she already is and then be able to hurt teams when she gets to the line. So have you seen a way, a difference in the way fouls have been called for or against the team over the last couple of weeks. Yeah, she went 11 for 11 from the line on Saturday night, and the team took, I believe, 29 free throws. We were pretty shocked by that because the team hasn't really made free throws consistently or taken free throws consistently all year. So that has been a struggling point, I think, is the big picture here throughout the course of the season. So like you said, you get to the rim more, and maybe those numbers go up. But um, hitting the free throws is another thing. Have to start doing that consistently. And we saw that on Saturday night. You know, the, in terms of how the game is called, I, I have personally enjoyed the ability to challenge calls this year. And mm. we got off to a really good start with that, actually, when James Wade was, uh, still, was still a head coach. Um, I believe he started two of two or three for three or something like that. Uh, he was really proud of that stat. Yeah, he was got <laughs> off to a stellar start with the coach challenges. So um, he set the bar pretty high there. But I, I do like that aspect of how it's called this year. 
it's it's uh it's a hard thing i think when you're a fan of a team it's always a subjective thing uh is your team getting the calls that they should get you know certain players it is interesting to see how certain players are officiated maybe if i switch to the the defensive side of things just with how players move their feet their body types um we know a Emre has actually brought in officials to practice um, to kind of work specifically on the foul side of things. Are you committing good fouls or are you committing bad fouls? I think if you're committing a foul that's, you know, 30 feet away from your basket, that's not a very good foul. But if it is legitimate defensive position, you're making a good effort play. If I'm getting this correctly, I think that's what he's aiming for, that if you're in the right position, hopefully, if you get called for a foul, maybe it happens. But you want to limit the bad fouls um, against you because I think that's maybe more so the story is um, trying to avoid our bigs potentially getting into foul trouble. And we have really good defenders, and sometimes it is how the game is called. But uh, just trying to limit that as much as possible is going to be key, especially in a game like tonight. Yeah, I think, again, you made a lot of great points and kind of looking at things being a little different under Emory versus how they were with, with James. I think the first thing that stands out to me, and this is something that me and Chris spoke on uh, on our last episode out of the All-Star break, was that in the – I think at that point it was a four-game sample size under Emory. It was the spacing that just looked different. It seemed like they weren't necessarily doing things different. It was just more of a point of emphasis to – and you can kind of see if you watch the games uh, on replay with James or with Jason calling them, uh, you see a lot of times Emre's on the sideline doing this and trying to just keep everything spaced out after an initial action it might not either work or breaks down or they have to reset. You'll see them just doing this and then players will figure out their way to occupy a space that gives them more real estate to work with for whoever has the ball. And I think that's really been working to their advantage. And it's kind of gotten to the point where they're not just using that space um, just to reset, but they're starting to manipulate it. Like I mentioned with the empty corner pick and rolls, as well as with Marina Mabry stashing her a pass away and finding their shooters in strategic spots to where when they're in their pick and roll, they can kind of um, manipulate the help defense that comes with it because Courtney Williams is so prolific in that offensive context. And I think uh, in looking at Kalia Copper, in addition to the manipulation of space, a lot of times she's been stashed on the second side of actions which is something I kind of talked about this season a lot because she's been enjoying a career-best uh, three-point shooting rate off the catch. And she's been north of 40%. I think she's at like 41%, if I'm not mistaken. And a lot of those shots are coming when Courtney's coming off of a pick on one side of the floor. Uh, a little bit of help comes from that to kind of take away the, pre the uh, pressure on the paint, and then it skips around the car. And she's able to either attack a closeout, which she's the best in the W at, or she's able to take advantage of the short closeouts that she gets because of the, the threat of her first step. And she's able to knock down these three-point shots off the catch. And it's just a space where Kai is minimal effort for her because she's not the one that's that's uh, pulling all the strings. She's playing off of an advantage created from someone else. And I think that's where all of the pieces for the sky really start to fit together. When you put Marina in positions to where help defense has to make a decision and either way, it's a bad decision. Or if you have Khalil on the second side and now she's not operating with the ball in her hands and she's able to just kind of do things off the dribble and off the catch more than anything else, I think that's where they kind of optimize the talents and the skill sets of each of their best players um, in, a, in a unison, in a sense. And um, to kind of answer the question directly, I won't necessarily say it's um, drives. I, don't, I think it's just more so a byproduct of the better spacing. Better spacing gives you more opportunities in real estate to compromise the defense 
versus if you're trying to drive and there's a player on your left hip five feet away and then there's a player on your right hip three feet away and then there's someone underneath the basket and it's like okay if i drive here there's going to be help there's going to be help there and if i pass it the defender doesn't have to really move much to you know to neutralize the entire threat so i think just the emphasis on spacing and them doing a much better job with taking care of the ball i think especially over the losing streak like jason mentioned the live ball turnovers. There's no defense in the world for a live ball turnover. And if you add uh, the lack of timeliness to that, where it's happening in the fourth quarter or in crunch time and you're down two, you have a potential chance to tie. And then a team goes up five because you turn it over and then they knock down the three in transition. It's like little moments like that, um, just compiling over the course of a losing streak is what really can kind of put you behind the eight ball. So those spacing and them just generally doing a better job taking care of the ball. It's really helping with all of that. And I think the defensive side, which hasn't been an issue, is also um, um, really just earning a lot more attention from that as well. Yeah, I think, if, like you said, if you can make the help defense, if you can force help defense to make a decision when your starting five is on the floor and you have the first steps of Courtney Williams and then Marina Mabry isn't necessarily known for her speed, but it's her separation and she is always an offensive threat when she is the basketball so, like you said, if you can get a defender to come over and have to help on her, because she's had games this year where, you know, 36-point game against Indiana earlier this season. She had her, saw her game really step up this past Saturday. That was really, really – that felt good as a Sky fan to see her get back on track because then you have the threat of Courtney and her. And then, of course, it's Copper off the ball, your all-star who if you, like you said, she's catching and shooting at a 40% rate this year from three-point range and just getting better and better at that, then it opens up the floor more and your spacing gets better. Because I think that's what you would love to see consistently is the spacing there, is the ball movement there. And the ball movement looked really pretty at times um, the other day, and they weren't turning the ball over. That's why. Exactly. Mm-hmm. A lot of interesting things in play for tonight and for the rest of the season. This is the CHGO Sky Show. We want to thank our friends at Shady Rays for sponsoring the show. Um, if any of you out there are going to be outside after this show is over, and why shouldn't you be? It's summertime in Chicago. The Stevie Wonder record is spinning, even though it's hotter <laughs> than July. It's still cool in the city, beautiful. And Shady Rays has you covered with the best, the best, the best sunglasses, especially from an independent sunglass company out there. Frames are durable, the optics are extremely clear, and if you're like me and you're clumsy or you just forget that you put your sunglasses on the couch and then you accidentally sit on them, every single pair is backed by lost and broken replacements. So if you lose or break a pair even the first day after you buy them, they will send you a brand new pair, no questions asked. Also, even better than that, Shady Rays is providing much-needed support to nonprofit partners throughout the United States through Shady Rays Impact. That includes building playsets for pediatric cancer patients and providing young adults with multiple sclerosis, the outdoor adventure of a lifetime. So Shady Rays, they're not only helping you, they're helping people in need across the country. If you don't love your glasses, exchange them for a new pair, return them for free within the first 30 days after you buy. And for all of our listeners out there, use that code CHGO for 50% off two or more pairs of polarized sunglasses. That's 50% off two or more pairs of polarized sunglasses. It's a different world for guys like us, Jason. Now there's 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 sunglasses, there's frames galore. You don't have to be stuck with one pair of glasses all the time. So please use that code CHGO and buy your Shady Rays right, 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 right now. 
and get that code because you know Ooh, yeah sunglasses are key for long-term eye health and eye health is key true so yeah <laughs> yeah you can't you can't call the game if you can't see the game that's no, just point no. blank period <laughs> yeah no it's great for long-term eye health especially sun's out in chicago beautiful day got to get out and walk around the city while you can also want to thank our partners at game time for sponsoring the show for anybody out there did not, for some reason, did not know that Candace Parker, well, Candace isn't playing tonight. Thanks to our guy, Mike Hughes, for letting us know Candace is ducking the smoke tonight. Um, but if anybody's trying to get down to Wintrust Arena and see that primetime matchup between the Las Vegas Aces and your own Chicago Sky, the Game Time app is where it's at to pick up those last-minute tickets and flash sales that will get you to the game within budget on time. They have seat views that you can see through the app. It is absolutely fantastic. I've used them myself multiple times this year already. And if you use the code CHGO, you get $20 off your first purchase. $20 off. That could be the price of the ticket itself. So why aren't you using Game Time? I have no idea. I have no idea why you don't already have this app on your phone downloaded. I've been telling you about it for weeks. Steven's told you about it for weeks. You don't want to just be sitting at home, letting the world go by you, missing seeing some of the best players in professional basketball in action. Download the Game Time app today. Terms do apply, but create an account and redeem that code CHGO for $20 off your first purchase. Game Time, last minute tickets, lowest price, guaranteed. Jason, I know we got to get you out of here soon, but there are a few things that I wanted to ask you about uh, that we've been talking about that's been the hot news ever since the All-Star break. Dwayne Wade joining the Chicago Sky um, ownership group. This has already had an impact. Um, we showed that tweet that Stephen had for Kalia Copper and her, um, her, her after the post and pre and post All Star break, just getting to the rim, her free throw attempts, and that's something that the Chicago Sky need a team that historically under James Wade had been um, free throw free throw deficient. So she is one of their best at getting to the line. There was some kind of questions after James Wade's departure. Uh, whether Cobb would be wanting to stay since she's in the final year of her deal. And she said outright, it's like, is Dwayne Wade coming in a big thing for her? She said, yeah, yeah, that is a big deal for me. So it feels like the Sky have a bit of leverage back, not leverage, I should say. They're, they're in the driver's seat in terms of those free agency negotiations. So what have you seen or heard or how do you feel about Dwayne Wade coming on for the Sky's ownership team? Yeah, I was, I was so pumped about it. And I think, about a month before that, he attended a practice, and that's when we started to maybe think, could could get something you'd love to see it down the road? And then a month later, he joins the ownership group. So um, that was when I think you felt the buzz of that, and he has a great friendship with now our former head coach and, and GM, James Wade. And uh, James had talked about how excited he would be at the possibility of that at some point down the road. And I just – you could feel – when the players talked about that experience of seeing Dwayne Wade at practice and getting to talk with him and feeling their feeling his support, um, just you can see the smiles and the energy light up on their faces. That was really, really cool for them. And it was, it was really, really cool for anyone who's with the sky and a fan of, is a fan of the sky. And knowing that Dwayne Wade is uh, such a genuine person, too, in addition to all of the, the amazing accolades of his basketball career, I think he, he put out something along the lines of, I, I, I don't want to just tweet out you know, let's go support the W. I, I want to actually do something to, to go out and do that. And then he joins our ownership group. So I, I love that from him and just his support of the league and the city of Chicago, where he's originally from and grew up. And 
Um, I think I read an article where he, he said that his mom actually was a uh, Sky fan before he was, back when the team was originally um, starting up. And we have a great group of people in the front office as well. And um, just to hear that Dwayne Wade and his family as a whole um, have been fans of the Sky for a long time, and now he's a part of it. And I think, like you said, you look at a free agent market, and I think that is something where if a player – you know, visits our, our, our facilities or whatever it may be. And I know there's talks of potentially new practice facilities on the horizon as well. So any sort of investment in the franchise there could, could help out along that line, um, which is great. So, yeah, I just think having that name and that person, more importantly, involved with your franchise is, is phenomenal. So I'm excited. I'm excited. Can't wait to maybe potentially meet him at some point. It'll be great. Yeah. I, I feel the same way. I know Steven's feeling it too. <laughs> Are you, oh, are you on mute, man? You might be on mute. That's my, yeah, that's my second favorite basketball player of all time. There's nothing yeah. much more to say about that. <laughs> yeah, I think just, and Kaz mentioned it as well, having a player that has the type of uh, gravity that Dwayne Wade has as like not just an all-time great player, but somebody that can relate to the struggles and the things that they might be A, going through, or B, might desire in terms of a practice facility and just understanding the players from a different perspective, having gone through it himself. She was just kind of mentioning how invaluable that is, especially coming from the front office. And for somebody that has more like basketball, like a basketball background, not just a business background, making basketball decisions is extremely important. I think that level of relatability is something that's going to help the sky pass potentially just Kalia Copper in the not too distant future. So true. I agree with that. Definitely. I think, like you said, it's beyond just one player. It's it's everyone and it's the future of the organization and looking forward. Um, this is great. It's a great start of things to come and winning a championship with just a couple of years ago now in 2021 and building off of that. And I think something to, to maybe focus in on Ka, Chris, uh, I think that she's been a part of an organization that going into this year, has wanted to stay competitive and they want to build and continue to be competitive, which I think is an important thing. And that says something um, that you want to be competitive and piece together a roster that's going to do that every night. That was one of my points of excitement going into this season. Something I love about calling this team every night is even amidst that four game losing streak, you know, they're going to be competitive every day. And we have fiery personalities on our team like Ka, like Marina Mabry, who want to battle a lot of, say, it's a four-game skid or whatever it might be. And they want to go out and compete. And they're going to be ready to battle for a postseason spot and hopefully get up into that four to six range so you avoid a first-round date with a Vegas or a New York and just winning as many games as possible. That's a part of the mindset of this franchise. And you can feel that. And you could feel that with people before the season started. And I think when you're a player, like any day of the week, you'd rather be in that scenario than the other way around. Yeah, that, that was the message that I got from the team, even during that six-game skid earlier in the season. Yep. Marina said it, uh, Courtney said it, Ka said it in, in different ways, pretty much. Watch our dust when we start to move. And so the sentiment has always been there that the team is just hunting for that time where they rip off four, maybe five wins in a row and get back into the thick of the playoff race. And even even earlier in May, when they're on that skid, where it's you know it's still May, you're looking at the end of the season in September, they were talking about 
when we make the playoffs. Like there has never been a thought on this team of we are not making the playoffs or we're going to have to fight to make the playoffs. They're like, when we make the playoffs, here's how we're going to do it and, and how it's going to happen. So I, I, I'm glad that you said that because I know that you would have more of a firsthand view of it than even we would covering the team just from your position. So I'm, I'm not surprised, but I am heartened as, as a person who covers this team. And, you know, as the, the lines are a little more blurred these days, as I can say, as a fan, as a fan of the team. Yeah. Uh, speaking of battling. Yes. We and did get a question. We, we, I'm sorry. We, we, we got one question that I got to have you answer. Oh, yeah, <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. So after the Vegas game tonight, they've got Seattle and Phoenix kind of a reverse uh, bookend of those two games coming out of the break. And uh, Edmund Fitz, Edmund Fitzgerald asked us, what are you going to say on the live mic when Ka finally swings on Sophie Cunningham? <laughs> oh, gosh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, they got pretty heated, you know, last week against Phoenix and um, was not a fan of the, the play by Cunningham um, that took Ka down that, of course, you can't do that. So is the history there going back to the finals that Sky fans know about? Shout out to our fans, by the way, who – we have one of the most knowledgeable fan bases that you'll find and passionate fan bases. And that was kind of a follow-up note I wanted to give on the Dwayne Wade discussion is we have a fan base that loves this team. And that, that title in 2021, you could see how quickly the city went over to Wintrust and supported this team and packed Wintrust. And they love this guy here and they love basketball here. So just a quick follow-up note on that. But uh, gosh, I, I don't know. Hopefully... Hopefully that doesn't happen, but we do. I am calling that matchup on Sunday um, with my good friend Stephen Bardo Sunday afternoon. That'll be a fun matinee afternoon, and uh, hopefully it's not too eventful. Maybe we'll get Phoenix back, I think, in the win column, most importantly, there on Sunday. So, um, yeah, maybe that'll be an important game, of course, in this pack of the schedule. It'll be intense, and those two uh, have a history of intensity going at each other. Yeah, and one thing about that matchup is Phoenix fans are not fans of Kalia Copper, which I mean, <laughs> if you have a if you have a player that wasn't the best player on the team at the time come through your house and perform the way that she did on that final stage, I mean, I might not like her either. <laughs> so I definitely get it from their perspective. But yeah, the the whole Sophie Cunningham thing, which extends well past Kalia Copper, but I think that's maybe the uh, where it started at. That is inception. I don't, that's, yeah, it just can't happen. It can't happen. And I do oh, think man. the league has to crash down on that at some point because it's going to, it's going to get someone hurt. And again, it, being a non basketball play, um, not even close to a basketball play, it just can't happen. Yeah, yeah I, I, I agree with that. Ankle locks, man. Yeah, it's, it's, you want to avoid injuries. And there's a, a play here where that can lead to an injury. So, I think that's the most important thing to crack down on that. And you just don't want to see anyone get injured. And um, of course there's intensity there. There's, you know, there's history there, but you don't want anyone to get injured. And um, yeah. So that's the main thing there. Yeah. That's, it's egregious. I think it's the best way to say it. And it's funny because we've seen this. I know we, we put this tweet up and everybody knows the, the Kalia copper um, with the, I think it was the exact same jerseys in, in Phoenix with Ka just mm -hmm. standing over Sophie at the, that yell and then it got put on t-shirts it got put on mugs people are drinking coffee out of those except build a statue <laughs> for it you know the sky are gonna get statues up soon at some point they're gonna get statues being the team that has won the championship most recently out of the chicago professional sports teams you would expect them to get a statue soon and that would be uh i know a guy down at peoria who would make a brilliant version <laughs> of that statue honestly 
Um, <laughs> Jason, I know we're running up on our time here, Steven. I know you got to hit the road soon, too. Uh, just the last thing, DraftKings, our pick of the week. Uh, the Sky, for were over under 15 and a half wins. Uh, it was, uh, they were favorites for that, but, but in a 40-game season, you know, that'd still have them finishing at 16 and, and 24. Uh, that'll be the last question for you, for both of you guys. Do you feel like the Sky at a 9 and 13 right now, are they on track to get to that uh, 500 plateau or better? Are they going to be right between there and 16 and 20? Or are they going to be under that 15 and a half prediction from DraftKings? Ooh, you know, I, I keep saying it. This feels like a really important patch to get to that hopefully over 500 mark. You got Dallas after this uh, this week when you play Phoenix and Seattle. I think if you can get Phoenix and Seattle and then um, one of those games against Dallas as well because you have, you, have a, you have two of them against Dallas, hopefully you get both. But there it gives you, you know, three, four more wins potentially – if you say you were to drop one against Vegas, you're kind of putting yourself in that range entering the final few weeks of the season to be one game or two games below 500 and chasing that mark. Then if you can get on a winning streak, maybe that 16 and 14 range um, around there is, is is realistic. You've got you know more games this year. So I still think it's definitely um, in the cards to get up above 500 this year. But right now, you got to close out uh, July well and start August well. I think to be on track to doing that, you'd love to see it. So I, I, I'll i go for me. Again, we haven't talked about the injuries this year as well that have been so hard on this team. But um, I think they definitely have the potential and the capability and the players to do it. But you really, really have to close out this month well. And just for our fans out there, you know, finishing below 500 doesn't mean you don't make the playoffs. You still could make the playoffs that way. But uh, your goal, I think, has to be between that four to six range in the standings right now. So I think they need to be above 500 to get that. And for me, hopefully they do it. I'm an optimistic guy, Chris. So I'm going to go ahead and say they do. Maybe, uh, hopefully, maybe 16, 17 wins potentially around that range. And so for me, the the dream, I believe, they're in the sixth seed right now. They're yeah. three games ahead of this guy. And this guy also have a two-game jump on, I think it's Phoenix. And I can't remember who the other team is that's behind them. But point being, for them to get to the playoffs, they have to get to a certain number. And like Jason mentioned, if you want to duck going against one of the top two teams um, in, the, in the W and getting that six range, you're going to have to catch up with the dream. And I think that number, I think it was 15 and a half that Chris mentioned. You're going to have to be above that to get to that point. I think yeah. this team is more than capable of ripping off a handful of wins in this uh, this second half of the season. Maybe even, some, maybe even some games that some people might not necessarily, quote unquote, expect them to win just because of the, the weaponry that they have and they're starting to build that cohesion and chemistry. So I think they'll finish above that 15 and a half. I think they'll finish with about 16, maybe 17 wins. Um, if they can rip off a win streak and kind of build off of what we saw in the last game, I think that's that level of play will definitely get them to that number or even potentially exceed it. There's a jumble in the standings right now, too, that could – you never know, could work in your favor. It was like this last year as well. Um, you've got kind of Minnesota. Dallas has been surprised. They, I think Dallas has surprised some people this year. But uh, you got a Washington team that's just over 500. Then behind us, Steven, is L.A., which yes. is a team that's dealt with a lot of injuries as well. 
they've dealt with actually more injuries than us and anyone in the league. So they just have to overcome so much. I don't see them potentially. They could make the playoffs. Maybe I don't see it with everything they're going through right now. Um, shout out to our good friend, Azurae Stevens, wishing the best for her down the stretch here. But, um, you know, it's there's a jumble there where maybe anything could happen. Minnesota could fall off the dream. At one point, we're the hottest team in the league. Just a couple of games ago, they won seven in a row before um, Connecticut kind of had their number in a two-game stretch there. So maybe the Dream are a surprise team. I think their head coach, Tanisha Wright, could be in the mix for coach of the year. But they might go through maybe a, a younger team, up and down spell potentially. But they've had our number this year. They've beaten us all three times. So um, it's kind of maybe hoping that there's a bit of a jumble going on and maybe we can leave some people because of that. It would be the hope. I know it's the hope. Um, but like you said, we were talking about this stretch uh, when we came on last week that you had Seattle and Phoenix twice and a Dallas team that you absolutely have to get at least one, another win over uh, because I think the sky looked just about their best that they have all season against the contending team earlier this year when they beat Dallas at home. So you want to get another win against Dallas. Uh, Jason, I, we can't take any more of your time, man. I appreciate you coming on. Thank you as always. Uh, appreciate any time that you spend with us. And we're looking forward to seeing you on television. Follow Jason on Twitter at Jason Ross Jr. One. That's right, right? Jason Ross Jr. One. Yeah, Jason Ross Jr. Number one. Yep. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, thank you guys for having me, though. Really appreciate it. Love the work that you do. Um, Steven, can't wait to see you at more games this year. Maybe probably see you on Sunday, too, with the game. But uh, no, you guys are the best. You guys do great work all around with all the different sports in Chicago. And this was an honor to be a part of it today. Most definitely, man, for sure. And we're looking forward to whatever comes to mind as soon as Khan and Sophie, you know, interact in some way in that game. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Hopefully we get the W. I'm just hoping for a W. That, <laughs> that, is the, that is the best possible answer. Yes. <laughs> for our producer, Stephen Nicholas, for everybody at CHGO, and for all of our listeners in the city and around the world, this has been the CHGO Sky Show presented by DraftKings. Use the code CHGO when you first sign up for the app and get $20 off your first bet. Stephen Gardner's got stuff coming out soon. Follow Stay True S.3 for more on the X's and O's and more on WNBA basketball. I'm Chris Pennant at Quandary Kitten. We'll see you next time.